Since 2017, the Italian Wine Podcast has exploded, recently hitting 6 million listens. Support us by buying a copy of Italian Wine Unplugged 2.0 or making a small donation. In return, we'll give you the chance to nominate a guest and even win lunch with Stevie Kim and Professor Attilio Scienza. Find out more at italianwinepodcast.com. Chin chin! Welcome to Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Listen in as we journey to some of Italy's most beautiful places in the company of those who know them best, the families who grow grapes and make fabulous wines. Through their stories, we will learn not just about their wines, but also about their ways of life, the local and regional foods and specialities that pair naturally with their wines, and the most beautiful places to visit. We have a wonderful journey of discovery ahead of us, and I hope you will join me. Welcome to Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Today it is my great pleasure to travel to Colio, a small and very prestigious wine region in Friuli, Venezia, Giulia, to meet my guest, Ilaria Filuga, who is now overseeing two family wineries, Ruzit Superiore and Marco Feluga. Thank you so much for being my guest today, Ilaria. How are you? Thank you, Mark. Thank you for inviting me. Very, very good. I have to tell you that we are getting ready for the harvest time to come in 10 days, so very electrified now. Yes, such an exciting moment of the year. I was with you in June at Ruzi Superiore. The grapes were already on the vines and, you know, what we were imagining what it would be like in a few months. Now it's nearly that moment. For our listeners who may not know your area well, let's give them a picture of what the wineland of Colio is like, where this special corner of northeastern Italy, where you are located. Absolutely. Yes. So we are in the northern east region of Italy. As you said, it's called the Friuli Venezia Giulia. We do border in the northern part with Austria and in the east part with Slovenia. Then we are very lucky to have the Adriatic Sea in the southern part. And on the left part, in the west part, we've got the the Veneto region. So we are lucky enough to have very warm days because we do have the influence of the sea, but the protection of the mountains on the back. So the nights are pretty cold, and this is the perfect climate for doing what we're doing, so producing grapes and producing wine. So yeah, the the region, it's uh, not that big, but actually the appellation, it's very small, the Colli appellation where we are and we're producing wine. So yes, this is a little bit our geography. Yes, it's a very special place. I remember standing up by the chapel above the Rosit Superiore, uh, having come up from the cellar, and we could look across and see the Alps. And I guess Austria is behind the Alps. And then looking in the other direction, we're very, very near the Slovenian border. What 
five, ten kilometers, very, very close. Very, very close. And from our place, so from our terrace in Rusit Superiore, you can see the hills of Slovenia, and of course, of Slovenia. And actually, the phone will tell you, welcome to Slovenia, because the the net of, of the phone is getting better, the Slovenian connection, than not the Italian one. So, yes, yes, we are very, very... Actually, I, I I remember that happening. We we kept getting that message when we were with you there. I don't, everybody was saying, "Oh, we're in Slovenia." Yes, yes, yes. So it's a very interesting area historically, Ilaria. It's been there have been so many different influences and these borders, and of course the history and some of that very tragic with the wars. But tell us a little bit about your family history, which is also linked to the history of the area. You're the sixth generation now, is that right? I wanted to start saying that, yes, I'm lucky enough to be the sixth generation. And um, I was very lucky to have my family that was introducing me to that world and giving me that passion that is, of course, helping me keep going uh, on that uh, incredible world of the wine production. But yes, the family started more than 150 years ago in a place that it's called uh, Isola. Nowadays, uh, it's uh, in Slovenia, but back to 150 years ago, even more, it was always connected to Italy before under the Republic of Venice and later under the government of the Habsburg um, Empire. And over there, the family decided to start our history on the wine world in a small restaurant, Alucanda, that was called the Bonavilla. And actually over there, they were producing more, at the beginning, of course, more food than wine. But then they decided to specialize in producing a little bit more wine. So they decided to buy lands and actually uh, to open up the shipments because Isola, that it's a city still nowadays, uh, a very nice and cozy city to visit uh, on the coast. Uh, so it's a port city. Uh, they decided to start that shipments from Isola to Grado. Grado is uh, an Italian city. After the Second World War, it stayed in Italy, in Italy. And they decided uh, in 1920s, more or less, uh, to open a warehouse in Grado. So they were able to open the market to other two places that were Veneto and Friuli Venezia Giulia, of course. And that was very, very important because my grandfa grandfather, yes, the father of my great-grandfather, let's say, the father of my grandfather Marco, that he was called Giovanni. Um, he was having a look around the, the region, the Friuli Venezia Giulia region, and he did find out that the, the place was incredible. And he wanted to open, uh, let's say, the first real winery in Gradisca di Zon. So we're talking about the 1938. So just before the Second World War, and that was a, a very important thing that he decided to do. 
Gradisca di Zonzo from Isola, it's about one and a half hour by driving, so pretty far away talking about at that time. But, you know, with the Second World War, everything that uh, was uh, under the, the border, under the Tito government, under the, the Yugoslavia that was called at that time, was lost. So we, we lost the houses, we lost the lands, we lost the locanda, the, the small restaurant where, where we started. We lost actually everything, but the family... So Isola became part of Yugoslavia. Yes, yes. After the Second World War, that part remained Yugoslavia. Nowadays, it's called Slovenia. It was pretty dangerous even for people. But we were lucky enough that the whole family decided to move from there to Grado and Gradisca di Zonzo. And everything, everyone was safe. And uh, my great-grandfather, Giovanni, was continuing uh, on the wine ward with uh, two of his seven children. They were Marco, my grandfather, and uh, Livio. And uh, they stayed together till 1956, working together under one name that was a Feluga name. And then in 1956, they decided to split out and continuing on their own way. And they found, of course, the two wineries, Marco Feluga and uh, Livio Feluga. My grandfather Marco stayed uh, in Gradisca di Zonzo, that it's still nowadays the headquarter of Marco Feluga State, uh, in the Collio appellation, so under the province of uh, Gorizia City. And instead, Livio moved to Collio Orientali del Friuli, another denomination uh, under the province of uh, Udine, so pretty close, uh, like 15-20 minutes by driving, but yes. Two different wineries, two very big uh, and influent names on the wine world, and uh, that was uh, yeah. Yes, I think that's um, that's really important, Ilaria, to for our listeners to understand the the importance of all these momentous historic events that cause people to move, and also how your family, um, your grandfather, your father were really instrumental in rebuilding an area that had been torn apart by war and creating a great wine region, along with other pioneers in Friuli Venezia Giulia. Of course, uh, Livio Faluga being another great name of wines from Friuli Venezia Giulia. But it's that story that really is how a wine region rebuilt itself completely after the war. And that's also the story of your family. Yes, yes, absolutely. The thing at that time after the war was uh, creating, uh, because of course, as you said, after the war, everything had to be created again. And it was important even uh, to stay together. Uh, I'm talking about the consortium that were formed at that time. So uh, actually the consortium uh, Collio was formed in 1964. So, yeah, we're talking about uh, such a long time ago and uh, it was one of the first consortium formed after Chianti and Barolo. 
And the consortio that those early days were really important in helping to establish the identity of Friuli wines by, I guess, focusing on on varietal wines, wines from single grapes. You know, we have this great variety of wines, which we'll talk about in a minute, of wines from native grapes, wines from international grapes. And it's really become such a an important, small, but high-quality wine region. Yes, yes. Specialized in white wines production. Uh, we're talking about right now the 87%. And as you said, from local native grapes to international grape varieties to, of course, even very small percentage of red wines, but very, very interesting and with a lot of character. So, yeah, yes, it's, um, it's a various, let's say, region, and we're proud of that. Yes, and there are a number of different denominazioni in Friuli, Venezia, Giulia. But let's just focus on Colio. Colio is a very special wineland. What makes it so special? As I said, there's a lot of history here. I did mention that the Consortium Colio was the third consortium formed, but was even one of the first that was recognized by the Ministry of Agriculture by the the denomination, uh, so the DOC, so the recognition by that important uh, denomination. That uh, recognition was given four years later, after the Consortium Collio was formed, so in 1968. And uh, one of the most important things, and we were talking about it earlier, it's the climate that we do have, the microclimate, because of course we are up on the hills and then you know that every hill can have their own microclimate, but um, we're lucky to have that very warm and hot days with, uh, of course, a little bit of wind and then in the night, the cold nights that are going to help us, of course, in the production of the aromas of the grapes. But another very, very important thing that we do have in our small area, because Collio it's a very small area. We're talking about 7,000 hectares in total, but less than 1,500 are actually vineyards. So a very, very small area. Uh, there is a lot of biodiversity when you come here. You will remember that we do have uh, grass, we do have fields, we do have forests, and of course vineyards. So I'm always proud to say that there is a lot of biodiversity. But the importance of our region, of course, it's even the soil that we do have. The soil that we have, it was originated uh, such a long time ago. We're talking about uh, 65 million years ago. And it's called uh, Ponca in Friulian language. Actually, it's on the common language we do in Italian. We do say that it's called Flisch who's a certification of marls and sandstones. And it's very compact as a soil. It's very rich in minerals, but very poor 
talking about the organic part. But for us, it's incredible because, as I said, it was originated such a long time ago. But the incredible thing is that where now we've got that very gentle hills, in the past, uh, we had the sea. Still nowadays, when we do work the soil, we found out some fossils, some shells, and actually here in Russi Superiore, we've got a very huge rock, and um, it was studied, that huge rock, and a professor of our University of Genova told us that it's a huge piece of a coral reef. That coral reef, of course, it refers on, on that period where we got that sea here. He told us that the sea was not that deep. It was pretty warm, uh, around 26, uh, 30 degrees, so kind of tropical. Of course, on, on that huge rock, you can see the shells uh, and the fish and everything that that was uh, the population of that time. So it's incredible. And of course, when you do decide to preserve that kind of soil and then to create uh, the winery as we're producing, you can taste, you can feel on the wines that kind of uh, minerality and sapidity and process. Yes, absolutely. So it is incredible to imagine this 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 incredible prehistory of a uh, time when it was an ancient sea where there were rivers running through. But it's left these deposits of fleece, this stratified clay marl. It's grey soil, is that right? Quite quite grey in colour? Yes, yes. Let's talk about a couple of the native grape varieties that are most important for you. Okay, so yeah, we are very, very happy to have on our appellation um, indigenous grape varieties and even international, because even if we're talking about international grape varieties such as Pinot Grigio, Pinot Bianco, Sauvignon Blanc, Chardonnay, are grapes that are growing here, not since ever, but now are more than 100 or 120, 150 years that are growing here in Colle Appellation through the Venezia Giulia region. So they did find out their own place here. We are very proud to have uh, uh, indigenous grape varieties. We do believe very much in Frulano. Uh, that you, you might remember that till 2006 was called Tokai Frulano. Still calling it, with my grandfather Marco, he will tell you Tokai, not Frulano, because it was known by the previous generations as Tokai, but of course it's Frulano. I always say that it's more identified to have uh, the region is called Friuli, the wine of the region is called Frulano, so it's very intense the name that you have that it's from the same family of the Sauvignon Blanc but it's not 100% aromatic grape variety it's uh, semi-aromatic so you do have uh, very intense aromas of uh, flowers like yellow flowers uh, and a little bit of uh, fields it's a grape that I, I love very much and the other one that we do have our wines uh, with, that we do cultivate uh, is Ribolla Gialla. 
Ribolla gialla is another very interesting grape that you might have in, in different uh, uh, ways. We do produce, we do, we are very close to the tradition, so we do produce ribolla gialla, only ribolla gialla, not sparkling, not with maturation, but uh, ribolla gialla. And it's a, a very interesting wine. It has very high acidity. We do leave it with a little bit of skin contact. We are talking about uh, one night maximum. So from that grape, you can even have some intensity and uh, it's very interesting. And then another local grape that we do produce, uh, that we do have, uh, it's Refusco dal Pedunculo Rosso. So it's a red wine. It's very interesting too. It's a wine that has a lot of color, like ruby red, and a lot of tannins. You need time. You you have to be patient and let the wine rest for a certain time before drinking it. And it's very interesting too. So these are the, the three local grape, indigenous grape varieties that we do produce. Italian Wine Podcast. If you think you love wine as much as we do, then give us a like and a follow anywhere you get your pods. Okay, well, thank you for that, Ilaria. And I know you have a larger range of wines from both Rosi Superiore and Marco Feludo, and I urge our listeners to discover them. But all of your wines, all of the wines I think of Friuli Venezia Giulia are particularly wines that go well with food. They're wines to enjoy with food. So can we turn to maybe to speaking a little bit about some of the really typical dishes for people if they come to Friuli Venezia Giulia? What should they eat and what wines go best with these typical dishes? Okay, so a friends or of mine that are always coming to visit me, I do always recommend uh, Frico. Frico, it's a kind of cake, salty cake, made with the smashed potatoes and a typical local cheese that it's called Montasio. Uh, it comes from uh, cow milk. It's age for, it depends, can be from 30 days to three, four months. So you do have uh, on the fire, of course, uh, you do put that cheese and that potatoes. And then you're going to have the part of the cheese that it's going to melting and mixing with that potatoes. Now it's almost time of lunch here in Italy and I'm getting hungry now talking about it. (laughs) But yeah, it's my favorite um, food, local food from here. So you can have it. um, Then, of course, you're going to get that crunchy part uh, and then in the middle, it's going to be very soft uh, and you're going to have kind of a cake because it's going to coming out round and I'm eating it. It's typical, uh, let's say, a, a winter dish because, you know, the cheese, the potatoes, but I'm having in every single part of the year. For me, it's amazing that uh, I, I can't stay away from Frico. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay. 
And Ilari, what wine would you like when you're having a, a big plate of frico? It depends on the occasions, because if you're going to have maybe just a small slice for aperitivo, even a friulano can be fine. But then you can have it even as a second course. And usually frico, it's paired with polenta. You're going to even have a red wine, not a very strong red wine, can be maybe a refosco, not that aged refosco, or a merlot. They are both very, very interesting with that food. So, yeah, I will say that. Okay. And the geography that you explained so beautifully also reflects in the gastronomy when you have the mountains and maybe game from the mountains or going down to the Adriatic, wonderful, wonderful seafood. So your wines are really able to pair with food from inland, from mountain, as well as freshness from the Adriatic Sea. Yes, we're very lucky. With some friends, we do say Friul Magic because we do have everything from the mountains to the sea and the countryside and everything. From our place, you can be in the mountains by one hour and a half driving and uh, you can go even skiing and then in about uh, half an hour, 40 minutes, you can go by the sea and have a swim. So we're very lucky. We're very lucky to be on that very interesting geographic area. Yes, it is a very special area. And I would also add that I think it's still an undiscovered area. So again, I would urge our listeners who often like to travel to places that we talk about to discover Friuli Venezia Giulia, to come and discover the wines, the foods, and just the beauty of the place. Now, Ilaria, tell us about wine hospitality. If our listeners do come to Friuli Venezia Giulia, can they visit Ruzi Superiore and Marco Feluga? There's an um, airport in the region that it's called uh, Trieste Airport, that it's very close from us, like 20 minutes by driving. But the closest, biggest airport, it's Venice, that it's close to. It's just about one hour by driving. Then when you do arrive here, I always say that it's like you're into the nature. Even if we've got big cities as Trieste, Udine, uh, Gorizia too, but uh, the respect that uh, there's here in the region for the nature, it's always... Uh, huge. Uh, let's say the holiday that you would have here in Friuli Venezia Giulia region, it's slow. It's a slow tourism and you are very getting into the history and uh, I do repeat the nature that it's surrounding you. So actually, yes, we do work very much with uh, the tourists and uh, the tourists are coming from mostly from Austria and Germany and in the last years, even Slovenia. But we've got even after COVID, let's say, a lot of Italians coming to visit us. Uh, these are the main tourists that we do have. And uh, we, my father, Roberto, wanted to create a building that would 
host uh, uh, people coming from all over the world. And yes, we do have uh, uh, a bed and breakfast that it's called uh, Russi Superiore, Rele Russi Superiore. Are seven rooms that we do open seasonally from March till November. So in in the best period of the year because we get springtime, we get summertime and autumn. That uh, talking about colors and, and nature are the best periods. And we do organize a lot of experiences. Of course, the first one that we do promote is to visit and taste the cellar and the wines, our wines, of course. But we do create during the season different experiences. The first experience that we created just right before COVID, it was that natural, with a natural guide, a walk through the vineyards, and then uh, the stop in front of the huge rock that I was talking earlier, and that natural guide uh, would explain uh, the period, uh, the Oceani period, so 65 million years ago, what we had here, and everything. So we, we try to create different experiences, like another one, it's riding a horse through the vineyards and then a glass of wine. This year, we decided to create some cooking class where you were able to learn how to cook a typical dish from Friuli uh, that were a stuffed pasta called the charsons. Tonight, we're going to have uh, uh, one of the latest events of the season that it's going to be a night uh, where you can have uh, a glass of wine and a uh, cicchetto. Cicchetto is kind of piece of bread with some uh, salami on top or cheese or everything that you would like to have on top uh, with some music in the background. With different experiences, we wanted to attract local people and uh, even create something different for our guests. That, of course, you have to create some different uh, curiosity to the clients that you have, but even attract younger generations. That's why tonight we're going to have that kind of music and wine. And at the end, you can even dance a little bit. So, yeah, this is... uh, Oh, that sounds so fun. Yes, yes, yes. We're going to, even for for the people that are working... uh, me too. Uh, I'll, yeah, you get fun. So yeah, it's going to be very busy tonight. Yes, good. Well, I hope you have a great night, Ilaria. It's been wonderful talking to you today. And I'd like to thank you for sharing and giving such a vivid picture of a very special corner of Italy that I love very much. I, again, urge our listeners to discover Friuli and its wines. And if you're able to travel, to this beautiful region. Ilario, I hope the harvest goes well. You said it's beginning in 10 days, so I know it's a very exciting and important moment, and I wish you all the best for the harvest. And I look forward to returning to Rosite's Superiore and to seeing you sometime soon. So thank you so much. Thank you, Mark. Waiting for you and waiting for all the people that listen to us uh, and uh, we're always happy to have people around and 
Thank you. Finger cross for the harvest time. Even if people would like to come and visit us during the harvest, they might help us okay. collecting grapes. So, no, joking, joke. That's a joke. But yes, it's going to be uh, next year another experience that we're going to try to create. So yes, yes. Okay. Thank you again. Thank you, Ilaria. Grazie e a presto. Grazie. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Please remember to like, share and subscribe right here or wherever you get your pods. Likewise, you can visit us at italianwinepodcast.com. Until next time, chin chin.